Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And then we're moving to Romans 12, 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, <clears throat> do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as some of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it dil diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for your word that brings life. We thank you for your word that never changes. It is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We give you praise and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we are going to be talking about a life of humility towards one another. Um, I did say last week, as 
Dr. Jerry finished his time with us that we're going to be going back to our one another's and finishing them up. I've got this one and then another one where we're going to be talking about living with one another, especially in small groups. And we're going to, our focus is going to be on small groups. So today our focus is really on living in humility with one another. What does it look like? to live in humility with one another. We know, as I said in the beginning, when we first went through this, started this series, that there is about 39 to 40 something one another's in the Bible. And so I've tried to group them into five different groups so I can have this five series sermon. And this is our number four. And our number four speaks of humility. And there are a few other things that we're going to add into that that help us understand what it means to live humbly with one another. So most of the times when we hear about being humble, we always think about, um, we always think about saying yes to self-sacrifice. Bless you, sneezer. We always say yes. We think about it, being humble is saying yes to self-sacrifice. But I want us to think about and start at this point realizing that it is not only saying yes to self-sacrifice, but it's saying no to self-indulgence. Because self-sacrifice is great and we can do that and that's part of what being humble is, but it goes further than that. One of the expressions of self-indulgence is pride itself. Pride is the biggest, it's one of the foundational sins, if you think about it. Pride is the foundation of many of the sins. Look at the first sin that was committed. Pride. Pride and pride. And so we want to realize as we think about this that the the self-assertiveness of pride, we will know everything. Therefore, it is good for food and it will make us to know everything when we will be like God. That's pride. The other pride scene that we see in the beginning is a pride of Lucifer. It says, I will ascend on high and become like the most high. That's pride. It's very self-centered. That's pride. And that's self-indulgence that we speak about. That is one of the things that we need to come against. Unfortunately, we live in an environment or in a time where we are, we are almost coerced to be people that uh, put ourselves up. I can do this. I am the guy you're looking for. I am the person you're really looking for. My gift will open this door for me. I am. There's a lot of I am in our culture. Whether it's in business, whether it's in school, in academics, whether it's in the church, we have, we have let the I am of me to become big. And that's the problem. That's what we need to, to, to find ourselves putting that down, that pressure of that I should become better than or I should become more than. Think about this. When you think about those first two sins that I spoke about, Lucifer said that I may become like the most high. That's comparison. And then what did Eve say, think in her mind? That it would make, what did the enemy say to her? That it will make you to be like God and you will know like God. That's comparison. And comparison is one of the roots of pride. 
when we compare ourselves with others. And we heard, as we read, especially in Romans, when he speaks about that we have all these giftings, and we've spoken about the giftings. And in the church, giftings have become a source of pride. But giftings have been given for the benefit of the body, to edify the body, not for individual purposes. We spoke about that already. That gifts are not given for personal gain. So a gift can never be a source of spiritual pride. We should not make it a source of spiritual pride because it is just a gift. We are given these gifts by God. It's a gift. We did not work for it. So as we exercise our giftings, our spiritual giftings that we are given, we need to exercise them with, with knowing that this is just a gift. It has been given to us so that the purpose of that is to edify the body. So verse 3 of Romans 12 says, Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Listen to this again. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And sometimes we, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And Paul tells us to think of ourselves in accordance to the measure that God has given us. Well, somebody might say, well, what's the answer here? then should I think of myself as a doormat? Should I be, um, the, the, should I be just, think of myself as the lowest thing, as, as, as the lowest thing ever, self-denigration? But no, because self-denigration too can be a source of pride. When we, I don't know if you've, I've seen some people who are so humble that it's prideful. Uh, my senior pastor back home in South Africa used to tell of a story of a church where they uh, they had this they talked about the giftings of people and then they came to this guy um, I'll use an example here of somebody who's not going to be offended um, they came to Mama N and said Mama N you are the humblest of them all so we're going to give you this badge that says the most humble <laughs> and so. This humble man became very humble. He put on his badge until they took it away from him. So that tells you what that looked like. So humility, as we know, it's not about self-denigration. It's about thinking of ourselves with the measure that God sees us. When we see ourselves and others around us, it's not only ourselves, but it's also the way we see others if we see ourselves and others around us in this, in accordance to the measure that God has given us, then we are walking in humility. There is a quote that is usually uh, given to C.S. Lewis, but it's actually Rick Warren's quote that says, humility is thinking less of your, is not, sorry, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I'll read it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Where the world is not centered on you. The problem with this is that we, start, we, we begin to view ourselves in an exaggerated way. It is entirely self-focused and me-focused. 
And when we do that, we do it because we want to compare ourselves with others. Pride is the root of comparing ourselves with others. When we start to find ourselves putting ourselves in comparison with others, that's the root, and that's the root of pride in us. We are called to be different and praise God. Praise God for the diversity that we are called to be different with. And praise God for the different gifts that we are given. Some of us have got gifts to stand up here. Some of us, like Phil, has got a gift to be back there in the back where nobody sees him for years. And does what he's called to do. And there is no gift which is better than the other. I could not do what I'm doing here if the sound people at the back and out there would not be here. I could not do what I'm doing today. All the gifts that are given are given so that we work together and therefore there is no need to compare with one another. Let us be careful of comparison. So when we think about humility, I want you to see it in a different light. It is freedom from ourselves. It is freedom to forget ourselves for a minute. Me, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. It is freedom that comes from knowing that we are not the center of the universe. That is humility. And if you look at it in Romans, it starts with renew your mind. And I put that purposely there. I did not cut it off because it follows. When somebody's mind is renewed, they see themselves the way God sees them. And therefore, they have no need to compare themselves with somebody else. The world standard is we compare and we compete with one another. But in the house of the Lord, when we are renewed in our mind, we are able to then walk in humility and see the other person for the value that God has put in them and see ourselves for the value that God has put us and see how putting those two together works well for the good and for glorifying God. When we are believers, we are called to think of ourselves in a way that we think ourselves as having a value on account of God's mercy, of God's grace. Any significance, any identity that we have is on, our, on account of what God did for us. We don't have any value besides him. And when we realize that, then we start to walk in humility. When you realize that I am what I am because God did this. I am, I do what I do because God it's not on the account that I did anything. It's on the account that he did it all. He initiated it. God is the initiator. The desire in our lives for preeminence, for being the first person to be at the top, is the death. It's the death place of our spiritual usefulness. When we start to see ourselves above others, our spiritual usefulness comes to death. We grieve the heart of God when we do that. So I want to encourage us as Broadway that we recognize that we are fully dependent on God. We are fully dependent on God in his grace and his mercy 
for our giftedness, for whatever we do and whoever, whatever we think we are, we are useless without him. I am the vine, he are the branches, he that abideth me. And then he goes on and he says that without me, as the branches, you can do nothing, nada, zero. So when we realize that, then we had a good place of seeing and recognizing humility and living in it. So I want us to challenge us. May our mind be transformed by looking at who he says we are and who he says the people around us are. When we have an understanding of this and our mind is renewed by spending time in this, we will be able to live our lives in humility that we are called to. So some few marks of humility that I thought of as I was reading, and some of them found them in a commentary. One of them is the willingness to perform the lowest and leakliest services for Jesus. Was it a Sunday ago? Somebody came to me last Sunday. Somebody came to me and said, Man, there's somebody who, who pooped outside those doors and it smells terrible and there's poop there. And we are in downtown, so that happens. And getting ready to, to start the service, I was like, go find brother so-and-so because I know that he is willing. And they went and found him and he was willing and went and cleaned it up. And this morning he said to me, is there any for me to clean? I am willing to do whatever God has called me to do. That's willingness. That's the lowest. Nobody wants to clean somebody else's poop. But this brother was willing. And I've got a brother who's always, two brothers that I know that have always, Randy Solway always cleaned up. And Nick always cleans up. And they don't blow a trumpet to say, I've been cleaning up the poop of the homeless people that have been living in our porch. They don't blow a horn. They do what they are called to do. That's a sign of humility. The other one is the willingness, especially in our world today, the willingness to be ignored by people. is a sign of humility. When you don't, if they ignore you, it's okay. It's not like you have to recognize me, I am here. Those are a few signs that I thought of when it comes to humility that I thought were important. There are many more. And I'm going to move on to the second part of being living in humility with one another. When we live in humility with one another, we honor and prefer one another. Romans 12.10 speaks of that, that we honor and prefer one another. This speaks, it starts actually, it starts a little bit higher and says, be kindly affectionate to one another in honor giving preference to one another. Am I right? Those who've got Bibles in front of you. So we hear two things here. Be affectionate to one another. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. As Christians, we are called, we are called by God. My Pronunciation sometimes doesn't sound right. I, I was singing his messes more today with somebody, and they thought I was saying the mercy of stuff is more, and I was saying his mercy, God's mercy. So I'm going to try and pronounce this well so you can hear. We are called by God as Christians 
not to have a cold, standoff attitude with people as Christians. As Christians, we are called to be affectionate with one another. We are called to be people who are not standoff from others. And again, it says, we are called in honor, preferring one another. This would show us, when we prefer one another, we show genuine affection towards one another. It's a simple thing that we are called to do as believers. But it's hard. Verse 10 actually says, in a way, outdo one another in showing honor to one another. We can honor somebody that we are not affectionate to. It's possible. But we are told to do both of them. Honoring somebody is being at a place where we treat them with our deep, with our deeds, sorry, and our words as worthy of our service. When we see somebody and we honor them, we treat them with dignity. We treat them as worth our service. And they are worth our service because they are created in the image of God, number one. It makes it worse if they are a believer because they are a brother who's been bought by the blood of Jesus or a sister who's been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. It's a double-edged thing now. So we are called to be people who, who show honor and affection towards one another. That's part of humility. And I think when we are humble, we are people who prefer to honor others than to be honored. And therefore, as we walk in, in humility before the Lord and with one another, we need to be people who realize that I prefer, I would prefer to honor others than for me to be receiving the honor. That's humility. We need to love honoring others more than we love to be honored. You need to enjoy elevating others to honor than you enjoy being elevated by them. So in a way, when we live in humility with one another, we put to, we put to death the craving for honor for ourselves. And we cultivate a love to honor others. And, and while we do that, I want us to be very careful to not be people who honor a specific certain type of people only, because that's very possible. That we honor a specific certain type of people, whether it could be by race or it could be by socioeconomic or it could be by, um, by education or it could be by gender or it could be by the way of dressing or it could be by weight or it could be by personality. God does not look kindly to this kind of dishonoring in the church. Listen to this, James 2, 1 through 6. My brethren, do not hold, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord glory in partiality. For if there should be anyone come in your assembly, a man with gold rings and a fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man with filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say to them, sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit there at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brethren. 
God has not chosen, God has not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom to which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored a poor man. Do not the rich oppress and drag you to courts? Then it goes on and tells us how God is very unpleased when we do that honoring that is partial. So I encourage us as Broadway to honor one another. Then another thing that comes to mind as we think about being humble is that we are called to submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. 1 Peter 5.5, likewise, you other people submit yourselves to your elders. But you all be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Of all the places where we need to be of people of humility in heart, it is in the context of the church where we meet as people of God. Humility does not start out here, it starts in here in the heart. And then it becomes fruit by coming out. And we are called then to submit to one another in that it starts in the heart and then it comes out in life. So we speak about submission. Submission gets people very riled up and very unhappy. That word makes people very unhappy. Submission. It has caused a lot of problems even in marriages. Submission is a very, it seems in our culture, it's known as a harsh word. The Bible speaks straightforwardly and frequently in the New Testament about submission. And it uses the same word in Greek, hapotasso. It's used 40 times in the New Testament, 4-0, 40 times. And both all those 40 times, it uses a picture of submitting, a picture of being under rank. It's a military term. Those of you who are in the military, Gracie, you would know that you're in the military. Those of you in the military, you would know that there is ranks in the military. And it speaks of it that way. So most people have taken that and have used it again, to elevate themselves. But I want us to look at it in a different way of what Paul speaks about here. Well, yes, it speaks about arranging troops in order. And Paul uses it here in a very different way when he says we submit to one another. Paul speaks to us and says to us, we should, as believers, all of us, fall under rank, have the attitude of falling under rank towards each other. Just like a soldier, when they fall under rank, they obey what their commander says. But we are called then to do that with one, to have that same attitude with one another. We are called to be people who are falling under rank in mind towards one another. When somebody joins the military, the first thing they do is they strip away their individuality in a way. He is taught that he's a member of a company or battalion. He or she is no longer just a civilian individual. The army is filled with individuals because those people are still individuals, but they can never be individualistic in their baton. That's what we are called to be. 
So the practical part of this, of submitting to one another, is being a team player with one another in the church. We are called to submit just like the platoon would walk together, would march together, would take orders together. That's what we are called to do in our attitude. And I know this is hard because we have this Western attitude of individualism. Me, myself, and I, and I am at the top of the chain. I do everything that I can to get to the top. It doesn't matter who I step on. That's our culture. That's the culture around. But we are called to be a different people. We are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a people who are called to be different, separate from the world. How are we going to be separate from the world if we live and act and our attitude is the same as the world's attitude is? How are we going to be different? If they poke me, I'll poke them back even harder. How are we going to be different if that's our attitude? I need to climb as much as I can and be at the top of the chain. If that's our attitude, how are we different from the world? So many times we are called a holy people. Holy means set apart, different. Lifted up from within and made different. So our attitude towards submitting to one another should be different. And that verse usually in in Ephesians is used in, um, it's actually put out when it comes to wives submit to your husbands. But actually I think it's part of that because it's the same verse that follows after that. It first says, submit to one another in honor of Christ, then wives submit to your husbands. So I'm sorry to husbands who have used this over and over again. You need to submit to me. The Bible says we submit to one another in reverence of Christ. And then she will submit to you when you submit to to one another, even to her in reverence of Christ. It's not a verse that is made to hit people over the head. How do we submit? Because then this is hard. How do we do this? Our means to do this is that we are filled by the Holy Spirit. When we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we are able to walk in submission to one another. And why do I say that? But the verses before that, he speaks about submission. Paul says that be filled, do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and songs. And then he goes on to say, submitting to one another. The means for us to be able to submit well to one another is being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not only that, we need to be sensitive to his move. When we are sensitive to his work and his move, then we are able to live in the reality of submitting to one another. The great need in the church today is, oh Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. So we can be discerning, so we can walk in that humility, so we can value each other. And then the next thing is the motive for submitting to one another is in reverence of Christ. When we revere Christ, then we are able to do that knowing that that's our motive. Our motive is nothing else. 
It's not about anything else that we have in the world. It's not social kindness. It is not because the law of God says this. The motive for submission is respect for Christ. If we respect Christ, we will submit to one another because we love and respect Jesus. Submission does not mean that you agree with everything that is said. Christians must not be people who are thoughtless, but must think of others. Submission does not mean we don't have thoughts of our own. Submission does not mean that we put each other's will above the will of God. Somebody might hear that and say, yeah, now you submit to me. If I'm going to walk in sin, then submit and walk with me. But no, submission does not mean we put each other's will above ours, but it's to put the will of Christ above ours. Submission does not happen in fear. Submission is not coerced by fear. Submission is done in freedom and willingness. As Christians, we submit because we are free to. We are free to submit to Jesus, and we have chosen to submit to Jesus. So we need to think of ourselves in those ways. But also it speaks about valuing each other. We need to value one another. When we are humble, we value each other. We see each other as the precious person that Jesus died for. We see each other as a brother and a sister. We see each other as somebody, I've got nothing better than you that you don't have because we are the same. If it was not for Jesus, thank Jesus that we are what we are. But when we walk in humility, we see that, but also we acknowledge it in other people. And when we acknowledge those two together, we are able to walk with one another and submit to one another because we all know that all we have, all we are, comes from Christ. When we see him as the top, as the head, head hancho, as the big guy, as the one who's on top of everything, when we see him for really that, then we are able to walk in submission to one another. Lastly, as I'm about to close, I'll ask the worship team to come forward. So submission does not have anything to do with somebody being smarter or more talented. It has to do with God's appointed order. There are some things that I am smarter and more talented by than somebody else. Let me use somebody that I know as well would not get offended. Somebody that... My boss, there are some things that I'm more talented than Ryan is in, but we submit to one another. And that's what we are called to do. I don't see him as the boss that I have to say yes to everything. I can challenge Ryan and say, hey, brother, I don't understand this. There are some times where I've challenged him and he's like, actually, you're right. I need to change the way that I'm seeing this. And there are times where he has challenged me and I'm like, actually, you're right. And coming down even to my youth leaders, these people like Stacy, who would challenge me on almost everything to make sure, and not that she's just 
you know, somebody who's stubborn or whatever, but she's somebody who wants to make sure that things are done in a godly way. There are so many times where Stacy has said to me, oh, no, I don't understand this. I don't agree with this. And then we sit down and talk about it. And there are times where she still says, I don't agree with this, but because of what I'm called to do, I'll submit to do this. Because, yes, it's scriptural. I don't think it's the best way. I could have had a better way. But because it's scriptural, I'll submit to it. Submission is not submission until you do not agree. It's easy to submit to somebody you agree with. Am I right? When you say yes. But when it's not a yes, it's really hard. And one of the examples that I've, I've, I used today and I've used just a minute ago is I've watched, for example, my friend Stacy submit to things that she doesn't, she did not agree with the method. But she says, because we are here and God appointed you to do this and to lead this, I'll submit to it. But that doesn't gag her from saying, I've got a problem here with this. So I want to encourage you, Broadway. And this week, actually, I had somebody else who confronted me and said, I don't agree with this. I've got a problem with this. Can we talk about this? And I took some minutes to speak to a friend, to my friend Shane, and say, hey, Shane, this is what is happening. And that's an example of submitting to one another. That's an example of that. It doesn't mean that they just say, yes, Sims, everything is great. There is challenge, and that challenge is taken in a godly way. And that challenge can change the way that I see things, and that challenge can change the way that they see things because we learn to submit one to another. Says, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. I ask us, Broadway, to be people of humility. Let's outdo one another. Let's outdo one another in showing honor and preferring one another. Prefer to, to honor others than to be honored. Submission is achieved through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the motive for submission is reverence for Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray before we sing together. Lord, this is a tall order. Walking in submission, walking in humility is a tall order. But with you, all things are possible. Lord, I ask that you work in our hearts that humility would start in our hearts and it will bring forth fruit and fruit that lasts among us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.